Well, hello, everyone. My name is Brad Huddleston. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for this podcast. We have a very, 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 very special guest today. Uh, I'm so excited about this, and I really mean that, Mike. Um, We're going to be talking about men's ministry. And if you are a man and you have been just looking for something during COVID to say, you know what, this is ridiculous. I've been isolated too long. The church hasn't had much going on. There haven't been the usual men's meeting. We just want to uh, surround you today and bless you. My my guest today is Mike Sandlin. Mike, thank you so much. Uh, Mike was very gracious last week. We were supposed to have him on the podcast last week, and I we had our ministry banquet, and things got all messed up. So obviously this is a man of grace. Mike, thank you for joining us. Oh, this was my honor. I'm glad you uh, invited me on. You are on the eastern shore of North Carolina, Cape Fear. I guess you're near Cape Fear, uh, Wilmington area. That's correct. And uh, we're just uh, thankful, Mike, for what you do in that area. Both of us are affiliated with the Iron Sharpens Iron. Now, you more directly than me because you're a regional host, and I'm just one of the speakers. Mm-hmm. But, Mike, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you're retired from Duke Energy down there in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. And uh, how long were you with them? I was actually, uh, Duke Energy actually bought out the company I went to work with, uh, which is Carolina Power and Light back in 1973. And I retired in March of 2016. So I was actually in the power industry, I'll say it that way, for 42 years with over 30 of that being in the nuclear division side of the industry. So I had quite a long tenure uh, in in the uh, power industry. So you've married for 45 years. you got two kids, two grandkids. I am. I am. I, uh, actually, this coming August, our wife, my wife and I will celebrate our 46th anniversary just a few months from now. And uh, it doesn't seem that long. We were babies when we got married. She was 18 and I was 21. And so it's a, I'm still a young man, you know, when you think about it from that standpoint. And yeah. uh, we got two kids. Uh, my son is a battalion chief in the local fire department. And my daughter is a teacher in the local school system. And uh, and she's the one that has the two grand grandkids right now, her two kids, our grandkids. And so and we're fortunate enough. I know a lot of people don't have this, have this. The Lord was fortunate enough to allow them to stay uh, close by. My son actually lives next door to me on on some family land that we live on. My daughter is about five miles away. So I get to see them pretty regularly. Probably sometimes uh, more than I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we'll just pray they don't watch this podcast and, just, and hear you say that. No, I know at the end of the day, especially around holiday time, it's a blessing because a lot of oh, people yeah. are challenged. Oh, and yeah. during COVID, they were, you know, you, you are blessed to have them nearby. And I know that. Mike, um, we want to talk about men's ministry and, and what Cape Fear Men is all about. I think one of the things that you mentioned and in your bio here that got you into that, you had uh, kidney cancer at one time. And I'd like for you to, you know, spend a little time. Tell us about how, how that came about and what your emotions were and how God got you oh, through wow. that. And then how that led you into the men's ministry. Well, I'll try to do, I'll try to do that without getting emotional uh, because it was something, something that very uh, uh, meaningful in my life. And the fact that uh, how God used all of that in, in moving me into the ministry I am now. But uh, the day uh, I always call, you know, uh, FDR, when Pearl Harbor was attacked, said that day will, you know, it's a day that lived in infamy. Well, my day of living in infamy was on December 22nd of 2006. Um, I'd been having some uh, soreness in my groin area uh, that week, and uh, I was on vacation. I was at home. I was doing some work around the house. My wife is a nurse. She was a clinical nurse manager at the time in a local doctor's office, and she thought I needed to go in and see the doctor where that morning I was feeling great 
And uh, I told her in our conversation that morning, I said, I don't think I need to go see the doctor. I think you can give that to somebody else. Well, it wasn't 30 minutes after I had told her that, that I started having excruciating pain uh, in my back that radiated around to the, through, to the front. And I knew right away what that was. I knew it was a kidney stone that uh, was uh, letting itself be known because I had had some kidney stones in the past. And once you ever have those, those of you that's had it, you know, you will never forget what that pain's like and you understand exactly what's going on. Well, I ended up in the office and the doctor there quickly did a quick examination, sent me for a CT scan to see how big the stone was and where it may be located. And during the examination, they noticed a tumor. Um, a kidney stone was in the left kidney, but they found the tumor on the right kidney. And they immediately suspected it was probably a cancerous tumor. Didn't know that for a fact. So in that process of uh, having to take care of the stone, they had to figure out what they're going to do with the tumor. I had to go see some specialists um, in uh, North Carolina, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, because of the fact I had damage now to my left kidney. Because when they took the stone out, I, my ureter was, was ruptured and uh, I was bleeding, bleeding. My wife don't like me to use that word. I should say I was passing urine uh into my abdomen area and they had to do repair on that too and uh, before they could mess with the tumor but anyway went and found out uh, i had stage one uh renal cell carcinoma uh which is more commonly referred to as kidney cancer and uh in march of uh, 2007 i had surgery where they had to take out the kidney along with the tumor because uh, to get clear margins, uh, they would have had to cut into the major blood vessels that goes into your kidney, and it would have, they would have killed the kidney anyway. Um, that process was pretty dramatic because from the time they discovered it to the time they took it out, I didn't know what to expect. My wife and I, even though she's a nurse and she was actually an oncology nurse for a while, um, we did not know what to expect. We had no clue what was happening. I was 52 years old. How was, what was God doing in my life? And I was going through some denial uh, for a while. And, uh, but I remember one morning I was sitting on bed. I had a frosty uh, bag on my leg and my wife uh, was helping me get up out of bed one morning. And as I put my feet on the floor, she was standing in front of me and it all of a sudden my emotions just hit me. All of a sudden it hit me exactly what was going on. And I just reached out and grabbed her and I started bawling like a baby. And, uh, and it was through that process God used to basically help me to understand what's going on in my life. And he was actually trying to get my attention uh, to help me to understand some things. Uh, to make a long story short, basically, I was sitting in church one Sunday uh, after all this process. And I was sitting in a place where I could see most of the church. Our church was uh, fan shaped, So we were sitting on one side. And I was looking around and I started looking at men's faces and I don't know why uh, I couldn't really participate much because I still didn't have much stamina. And so I wasn't really standing, uh, sitting most of the time. And I was looking at these guys faces and I saw a lot of uh, faces that just seemed to be I'm here, you know, um, I'm here because or just because. And I began to meditate and think about these things and and i begin to think of guys that probably are there just because they, it was a habit for them to be there they grew up being in church and that's all they knew they knew on sunday mornings they were supposed to be in church i knew there were guys there 
that was probably there because uh, is to keep peace in the family. Uh, their wife kept bugging them about being in church, and so they were there. Or maybe they were there because of the fact that they're uh, trying to be an example to their children, that this is the right thing to do. Or it was a good business deal to be here because it shows uh, community involvement, uh, political maybe, or various reasons. And while I was thinking all this, the Lord brought us to remembrance the scripture that I know many of us has read uh, because it comes out of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And it's chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And that scripture says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father. And the many will say to me, but Lord, did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do healings in your name? And he will look at them and say, depart from me, for I do not know you. And that really broke my heart when I began to think about that, that there's many people, especially men in our churches, that will probably hear those words. They've done a lot of good stuff in their churches. They've, they've served in our churches in so many ways. And, and through this kidney cancer, through this recovery period, God began to do a work in my life to begin studying and understanding what it meant to be able for one man to pour into another man's life, to help him to grow in Christ and begin to uh, develop the character and the attitude that he needs to be as a husband, as a father, as an employee, as an employer, as just a, just a man of the community, be a man of God where he needs to be. Because uh, I believe that in many cases, our churches, though most of them all are good and have great intentions, we've often told our men what they need to do, but we have rarely trained them in how to do it. It's um, so a saying that I say a lot of times, we're often told, but rarely trained. And so through that process, God began to really move me into ministry to men. And, and it's, he's just surrounded me with a bunch of guys like yourself, Brad, who, who, who through uh, individuals has poured into my life uh, to, from your perspective of what your expertise is and just so many other ways to help me to be able to reach these guys. Mike, I'm so thankful for the regional directors uh, who do this. I know I, I work with Ron Fraser up in uh, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, and then Mike Young uh, down here in Virginia. And right. then uh, you and I have a mutual friend who's with Jesus right now, Dave Inslow. I was yep. down there just a few months ago with Dave in Sarasota. And you guys really, really bear a lot to to keep the fires uh, uh, burning during the year. And then the big conference comes around that gives me a platform to speak. And I really appreciate that. And your testimony is powerful, Mike. Thank you for being so transparent about that. Um, tell me, what are some of the things that you have identified that you're seeing that, that men are struggling with? Maybe the top two or three things that right now you really are, are burdened. You really want to see men, you know, minister to in, in some key areas. What would some of those areas be? Well, some of the things I see is individual men. I think men don't realize, and I know I didn't realize this for, for many years, and I grew up in the church, and uh, I was in church. I mean, I'm one of those guys who could say I was in church nine months before I was born. My parents <laughs> were very, very meaningful to that. And, and in the fact that uh, even when I came to Christ at age 17, um, it was just another Sunday. The next Sunday was just another Sunday, but it wasn't nothing really special. But I think uh, through all that process, remember I said in my testimony, men are often told but rarely trained. Uh, men don't understand the need to have other men in their lives. 
to have a, a man who has their back, so to speak, a man that you can call at two o'clock in the morning and he's going to be there for you if you need something, no matter what that is. And I think we we, we struggle with that to help us out. Uh, key verse, I think, is very um, apropos for men's ministry that we don't use a lot because we always we always use the Proverbs 27, 17, which is one man, you know, uh, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so is one man sharpens another. But Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one, for they have a greater reward for their labor, or they're told, depending on the translation you have. And if one falls down, there's another there to lift him up. And then it gives a warning. It says, woe to man who doesn't have somebody to lift him up. So, so often men are going through struggles and difficulties in their life, and they think they're the only ones going through it. When in actuality, just about every one of us are going through it or struggling with it. And yes, we, need, we, are. We, we need those guys in our life. So that's, that's a big thing, I think, in, in understanding. And so I, I spent a lot of time helping guys to understand the importance of that. And I know I had a guy tell me the other day, well, I've got my wife. That's great. That is super. And I'm glad you do have your wife and you can talk to her. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is nothing against women. It's nothing against wives. But what goes on between the ears of a man Women can't understand half the time. Just like a man, we joke about all the time, what goes on between the ears of a woman, we don't understand. We need another man to talk to us and pray with us because we can kind of understand those particular issues. So that's the biggest thing I think that men need to understand. And that's why I'm so hepped up on a lot of these equipping conferences that we do with Iron Sharp and Iron because they speak directly into those particular type issues. Mike, you are a consultant, a ministry consultant as well. How do you advise some some men's ministry leaders, uh, Sunday school teachers, those who are thinking, you know what, I just have a hard time getting people to, to come, to even get here. What are some of the things, I, I look, the obvious ones, and I don't take these lightly because it just sounds so standard, but yeah. prayer, I mean, Beth and I take prayer drives nearly every morning and we we do we do like uh, drive-bys. <laughs> we we pelt people with, with prayers uh, as we drive by their houses and the churches in our area and so forth. But so let's just say that that is the most important thing you can do. After you have prayed and you've asked God for his leading and power, what are some of the practical things that as a consultant you would advise people uh, to do to get the men together to tear those walls down? That's good, and and I'm glad you said prayer because everything that you do when it comes to ministering to men needs to be bathed in prayer direct, you know, uh, significantly. Uh, even before you make your first move, you need to bathe it in prayer, and I appreciate you sharing that. I'm a Sunday school teacher also. I teach Sunday school, and uh, one of the things that uh, I, I will do is, uh, if you're going to meet a men's minister leader, is we do a lot of times, we do um, uh as uh, holistically as a men's minister, we, we will do big events and we want to, uh, hundreds of men to come to our events. And that may work sometimes and that may not work. But the real key is intentionality of you pouring your life into another man. And those events ought to be opportunities to help define those situations to make, help men go or take that next step. So as a Sunday school teacher, what I can do and what I have done is reach out to the individual men in my church or in my class, I should say, and invite them to join me in a particular study. Or maybe I put something together for us to go to a ball game together. Um, 
if I find out the interests of men are more into some other sporting of sporting activity, like a hunting, fishing, or whatever, if you have people in your class like that, put something together like that with just a few men to get together to spend time uh, getting to know each other. Uh, I started a group about four years ago out of my class that I called them the Got, got Your Back Gang. And uh, the reason why I said that is because what it is, I went and I, I tapped them on the shoulder. And that's a metaphor of inviting them. I went and tapped them on the shoulder personally and say, hey, I got this book. I want us to walk through. I want to invite you to come and join me as we walk through this book. And uh, I got four men to do that with me. And we spent uh, an hour each week. Uh, 10 weeks going through that book. Now, one of the things I did was at the beginning of it, I said, hey, I only want you to commit to four weeks. At the end of four weeks, if you'll commit those four weeks to me, at the end of four weeks, I will uh, tell you, okay, you've done your four weeks. If you don't think this is for you, you just tell me you won't be back and I won't ask you any questions. At the end of those four weeks, I said that to them. I said, okay, four weeks, tell me if you're not going to be back. And every one of them said, no, I'll be back. In fact, one guy said, I've never felt anything like this in my Christian walk. And so those guys are still together today, believe it or not, uh, ministering each other. So that's one thing you can do to really get into it. So the key in a lot of men's ministry is intentionality. It's not your big social gatherings, though there's nothing wrong with them, and you should do them. But the intentionality of one man tapping the shoulder of another man and inviting him to take a journey with them. That's what the, that's where it really boils down to, and that's what I encourage. You know, I'm I'm going to be in. Uh, I go to I go to Los Angeles tomorrow to speak at a parenting conference, and then the the next weekend is going to be awesome. I'm speaking at the Western New York Men's uh, Retreat, mm-hmm. and they've they've got a, a zip line, shotguns. I mean, what's there <laughs> not to love? <laughs> We're going to be blowing that's a man man thing right there. <laughs> oh, it's going to be just like yeah. So. We're going to be doing the whole the whole thing, but they have me speaking three times. And, uh, you know, it is a way to get guys together and by all means to save some. Uh, so those are some great ideas, Mike. Mike, um, one of the, the – uh, do you know Dr. Uh, Joe Martin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I, and, you know, because I've just gotten to know you. I think I was on his, I was on his podcast, and I think it was your son that, that heard me on there. Joe is just doing – and incredible work. I sort of wanted to just give him a shout out here because I think oh, he was probably the, the connector between you and me. And uh, he, he has the number one podcast for Christian men on iTunes, which is incredible. And I was oh, in yeah. uh, I was in Manila in the Philippines and I was signing books and this, I was in this massive church, you know, and this guy was waiting in line. And he came up to me smiling, goes, hey, I heard you on Dr. Martin's podcast, you know, so I just want to give a shout out to Dr. Joe Martin. I'll include a link in the description down here where you can find Dr. Joe Martin's podcast for men. That's also a good one. And Mike, let's talk about your podcast. You graciously had me on yours. Uh, I've got your web address here, but talk about your website and uh, some of the resources that you have there that men can uh, partake of. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you allowing me to do that. My website, of course, is kfearmen.net. Uh, there, as you see on the screen. Uh, Cape Fear Men basically was started out as a regional ministry to here in the local Cape Fear region of North Carolina, which is the southeast corner of North Carolina, but it's beginning to expand out to the rest of the state. Um, what we do is we reach out and 
and make ourselves available to the local men's ministry leaders and uh, pastors to help them to understand uh, the resources like you, Brad, that are out there for the, uh, and Dr. Joe Martin that there that is out there for them to tap into uh, to help enhance their their ministry to their men. One of the things that I struggled with when I first got into men's ministry uh, over a decade ago uh, was the fact um, I didn't have a clue. I had no idea of all the resources that are available out there. And that as a men's ministry leader, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. There are people out there that you can just tap into. And that's what we do with Cape Fear Men is help them do that. We have a page on our website uh, called Resources that uh, shows re, uh, books and, and uh, conferences and, and various, various other things that you can tap into to reach your men. Uh, we also do consulting, as you said, to be able to uh, meet one-on-one, -on -one, to be able to minister to you, to help you to work through and evaluate where your ministry's at, give you some ideas and some things to do. And uh, and then also speaking opportunities to come in and speak to your men. Uh, let me share my testimony of why it's so important for one man to be uh, in the back of another man and be, be there walking alongside him. We, we need those guys. Uh, we think about David and, and Jonathan, uh, the scripture of how both of those guys were blood brothers. And I heard one scholar once say one time that he wondered if David would have uh, had his adulterous fling with Bathsheba if Jonathan had still been alive. Would Jonathan have been there to say, hey, hey, David, this is not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be out there in that battlefield with those guys. Wondering if that's the case. And that kind of re reinforces the fact of why we need each other. So k Fair Men is there to help the men's ministry leaders and the pastors to understand the resources that are there, be able to evaluate your ministry, and also be able to speak into your men's lives. Mike, do you have any conferences coming up? I and mean, I'm sure that you do. Uh, and if so, where can they find that information? I guess it's under the events tab on your website. Yeah, in fact, uh, right now, if you go to kfearmen.net, you'll see a tab at the top that says Iron Sharpens Iron. Uh, you just click on that, and it'll give you two choices right now. There's a Wilmington conference coming up on October 2nd of this year uh, here in, in Wilmington, North Carolina, which we will have uh, Rex Tigner and Reggie Dabbs as our keynote speakers on those two. And then the week, actually, the week before that will be one in Richland, North Carolina, uh, in which um, Rex Tigner will be speaking on that one too, but also General uh, Major General uh, Bob Dees will be speaking also. And uh, so those two are coming up in the September and October timeframe of this year for the Iron Sharpest Iron Conferences. Mike, thank you for all that you do. Um, before we close in prayer, we still have we still have time. Is there anything else that, that's on your heart that you'd like to share with men? Well, I would think I'd rather. If you don't mind uh, speaking to the churches a little bit, if, if we could. You please uh, do. Yeah, because one of the things I discover as I travel around and visiting churches, uh, it's kind of like a mentor showed me one time. He showed me this picture one time, and this is what got, what got my attention to it to a lot of way. He showed me a picture of a table with uh, three brochures sitting on the table uh, speaking their ministries of their local church. The brochure, it was the one of children, uh, the children's ministries, one of the women's ministries, and one of youth ministries. And he said, what's missing? It took me a second to realize that, well, there was nothing there for men's ministry. And I think a lot of times our churches are lacking in helping our men feel valued and wanted 
and needed. I often sometimes ask the question, when your men leave the church, how are they going to answer this question? Men are blank here. You know, men are welcome here, they're valued here, or is it going to be they're tolerated here, or they're just a nuisance or whatever the case may be. And so some of the things I've done in my research has found out that churches a lot of times lack four things when they begin to look at men's ministries. And for uh, a church to have a vibrant and effective ministry to men, they've got to do something. They got to do all four of these things. Number one is uh, they got to have the finances. A lot of times men's ministry is probably the least financed ministry in, in the budget. And they need to have the finances there to help the men out. We can go deeper into that later at some point. They got to be promoted. I mean, I, I see churches a lot of times, they don't promote things that are going on with their men. I was in a church here not too long ago where they said, they, I was at an event that they promoted a Bible study they were going to do. And then I find out the only people they, they, they told about it was the people that was going to be at that event. And they were only doing it five days before the event. And so, so lack of promotion. The other thing is lack of masculinity. Church is not uh, preparing to be uh, 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 inviting to the men. A lot of our churches are decorated in, with a feminine mindset. And so they don't have that feel to it. And then most importantly, lack of leadership. Understanding the importance of, of what kind of leaders and what that leader needs to be. He doesn't need somebody that just fills a slot on your nominating committee form. He needs to be a man who is called into ministering to men. So I think churches, when they begin to realize that, they will begin to see the importance of being able to reach into a man's life, and the men will see the need for them to rise up and step up and be the men that they need to be. Mike, I am so glad you brought up that issue of the churches really being feminine in so many ways. Um, yesterday, I was speaking at a Christian school, and although I was speaking to students, I was sharing with them about Christian worldview and and the importance of having a lens where we, we interpret everything based on the inerrancy and the infallibility of God's Word, because that's primarily how we, we meet with God. And I, I was just sharing with them how when I get emails, a steady stream of emails in our ministry related to all this digital stuff that I deal with, how I advise people. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I go to is not necessarily the neuroscience. It's, it's the Word of God. Now, sometimes I will use a principle from neuroscience, but the key solution is the Word of God. It, it's more powerful than anything, as you know, on earth. So anyway, um, the, I was just sharing with the kids that the average age of a video gamer is not their age group. It's not Gen Z. It's actually the millennials. It's 35 mm-hmm. to 44. That's the average age of a video gamer. And I showed them uh, one of the emails that I'd gotten in last week, and this uh, wife had given me permission to share it, and it went something like this. Um, I am a wife of five children. So I, I'm married. I, I have five children. My husband is a video gamer, and that's all he does. And when I confronted him about it, he separated from me. Mm. And so, and that's very typical when, when someone is addicted, they think someone's attacking them. If you touch anyone's addiction, you know, and I, I, they get angry. So I think that the typical, you know, expectation is to use psychology and talk about the grace of God, which ultimately we do. But this is what I did. I advised her. I said, my recommendation is, is that you go to some men, older men in your church who are not addicted to video games. And I said, older men, go go to the men. And you ha- ask them if they will confront him with this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. 
I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. And the look on the people's faces when I when I was sharing that, because it was not psychology. It was just the man, oh, he, needs, he needs other men to sort him out, yep. to gather around him, love him. Of course, love him. You'd never go to someone without loving them. But you, you look, when, so, when you're dealing with a knucklehead like that, he's got five kids and his poor wife is up to her neck in dirty diapers and he's going to leave her because she's upset about it. This guy needs a good swift talking to, you know, from men talking to men. And, and that was not a feminine answer that I think some of them <laughs> were expecting. So I was so glad that you, you brought that up. But, I, you know, and the, and the husband, she got back with me. He's not, wasn't very happy. I'm like, well, you think? He's a, he's, <laughs> he's a knucklehead. He's not going to be happy. But we love him and we love him enough to send somebody around to deal with him so that he, we can help him, not be mad at him and leave him where he is. We want to drag him out of his stupidity and help him. So anyway, um, I, I, thank God I'm not a pastor. I would probably wreck a oh, church being, being an evangelist. <laughs> I have the privilege of making a little bit of a mess. <laughs> As the old saying goes, Mike, a pastor will help somebody across the street. The evangelist will kick them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's so true. You know, it, it, it's interesting. And in, in what both of you and I are doing a lot of ways, we, we run across men. And it's more than you a lot of people realize that are still living their adolescent life in their 40s and their 50s. It's just, yeah. just amazing. And, and, and we call that extended adolescence, really, when you think about it. Uh, yeah. And that's uh, that's a uh, because uh, they didn't have the role models they needed to have when they were growing up, and they really didn't. Right. And uh, and they need to, they need to have a good solid man in their life. I know uh, I know I, I talking to somebody one time not too long ago. Well, I say too long ago. I'm I'm up to the age where two years ago is not too long ago. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> but uh, any rate, um, he was talking about uh, here he is, eighty years old, and he says. Uh, I need a mentor in my life. And I'm like, I'm looking at him like, dude, you're 80 years old. You're 20 years older than I am. You need to be mentoring men. You need to be mentoring me. And he said, no, you don't understand. I'm a young Christian. I need a man in my life. who can tell me how to be a Christian. And I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of like a light bulb coming up over your head. Yeah. You know, that that's absolutely true. And we need to be able to do that. I just did a podcast this morning on, uh, uh, my short podcast where I called mentoring uh, men's men's ministry moments talking about when you retire. Uh, so many times we retire from church too. Now we may continue mm -hmm. going to church. Uh, we may continue going to our Sunday school classes, but uh, we kind of retire from all the other responsibilities. But in, in actuality, uh, a lot of your ministry is beginning when you retire and you should be pouring your life into it. You look at Moses. Moses was 80 years old. His brother yeah, was when he got started. Yeah. Uh, when he got started, Joshua, Joshua, yeah, Joshua was 85 <laughs> years old when he took the Israelites into uh, the promised land. So, yeah. boy, those guys are 20, 25 years older than me. And and uh, and and they were still get kicking it, so to speak. And many of yeah, us, when right. we reach turn 60, we start backing off and when we really should be going strong uh, as men. So, you know, I, I um, I'm 56 and um I uh, was overweight. I, I had health problems. The doctor was really on me. Blood work was terrible. Sugar was terrible. Blood pressure was terrible. Triglyceride, all that. And um, I just felt like the Lord said to me, yeah, I didn't hear an audible voice, Mike, but through the doctor, I feel, sort of felt like God was saying, hey, 
don't you get done with you before I get done with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just actually took the doctor's advice and I got, I shredded the fat, got fit. And, um, man, I feel like I'm 20 again. And according to the university of Virginia over there at their sports physiology department, my wife and I do have the bodies of 20 something year olds now because we reversed all that stuff. But all that said, it wasn't so that I could be young and try to impress people. I already won the girl. Uh, I did that. Uh, I've got, you know, the most awesome wife on earth. Um, and I know you do too, Mike. I jumped on that because I saw what was coming. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, but I really want to serve God hard. I mean, I want to go hard. I still want to get on airplanes and go around the world for as long as God will let me do that, you know, because I'm, I'm like you. I'm pumped up, Mike. I'm ready to get going. Well, listen, let's close. And I want you to say a parting word of encouragement, if you would, to men. And Mike, I want you to close us in prayer. However, the Spirit of the Lord leads you. Just let Him let Him minister through you uh, in this closing time of prayer. Would you do that? I'll do it. Absolutely. All uh, right. Absolutely. Well, I think um, the biggest thing is, and we talked about this quite a bit, is for men to understand the importance of other men, men having other men in their lives. Uh, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. We men are not men to open ourselves up and be uh, vulnerable, to be transparent of what's going on in our lives. Sometimes we have done some very stupid things in our lives, and we're embarrassed by it, we're ashamed by it, and we don't want other guys to know about it. But the funny thing about it is, is when you begin to open yourself up and talk to other guys, you find out you're not the only ones that did that. You're not the only ones that suffered that. And some of the best moments I can remember was having a friend in my life that I could just open up and just share anything and everything with them and not feel uh, that I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be shamed. I'm going to be ridiculed or or any of the other negative things that we think of. But the individual would just sit there and listen to me and encourage me in my walk with Christ and then pray for me as we move forward. Uh, so I would encourage men who are listening to this, go find that man, go tap him on the shoulder, find you a good book that explains it. And and I'll share a book. I'll give a shout out to Dr. Gary Yeagle. He has a great book called got your back and that, and I would encourage you to get that book and read it and, and, and help you to understand a little bit more about what it means to have another man in your life. Um, if you're in the military or been in the military, you understand what that means. You would never go into hostile territory without somebody that has your back. But guys, we're in a battle. We may not physically see it because it's a spiritual battle, but we're in the battle for men's souls. And we have to have men who have each other's back. So I pray that you will do that. And of course, you can reach out to me or Brad and we can help you to understand that. And you can reach out to me by just give, giving me an email at mike.sandlin at, at, at uh, net. That's mike.sandlin at kfearman.net. Or uh, just go on my website, kfearman.net, and uh, fill out the form there. And I would be glad to reach out and talk with you. So let's just pray as we close uh, our time together. Father, I just thank you for the work that you're doing. I know that the, uh, that you have called us into this, this time to be able to speak in some, some man's life somewhere that's listening to my voice right now. 
He may feel like uh, he's at the end of the road. He may not know where to turn. He may be struggling with some issue that's in his life that he thinks he's the only one dealing with it. But Father, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you will minister unto him and help him to understand. He's just one of many. But there are guys out there that's ready to emotionally wrap their arms around them and just be there for them and to support them and to lift them up and just be there uh, whenever they need, he needs somebody to talk with and to pray with. Father, I pray for our churches and our country and around the world that they will understand the importance of targeting their men to help the men know that they are valued, they are needed, and that they have an important role in the life of the church and especially in their homes. God, I just thank you. And I thank you for Brad's ministry. I thank you for what you're doing through, through him. I thank you for this opportunity to be on this podcast. And I just ask you, Lord, that you would just uh, uh, continue to uh, pour your love and your spirit through him as he ministers to the people that you place him in contact with. And I just thank you for that, Father. And now, Father, I just pray that all those men out there that are listening, and anyone else that may be listening, any of the ladies that may be listening, that you'd give us all a rock to stand on, that you give us a brook to drink from and a tree to shade us by. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Mike, it's been a joy to have you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank Thanks you. for having me on your podcast. And will you come back again and join us again, Absolutely. Mike? Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. All right. Well, thank you for that. My special guest has been Mike Sandlin with Cape Fear Men in uh, North Carolina, the eastern part of North Carolina. And again, if you want to reach out to Mike, I'm going to put one more time... Uh, his web address up there, there's a contact form on his page, capefearmen.net. If you have any questions for him, if you want to start a, a men's ministry of some sort, I'm sure Mike would uh, be glad to help you get, uh, at least answer some initial questions and point you in the right direction. So feel free to contact him. If there's anything that I can do for you, my web address uh, is bradhuddleston.com. There's also a contact page right up at the top. So, uh, Mike, again, I will say so long for now, but I look forward to getting you back uh, again. You've been powerful today, and we appreciate all that you do, and thank you for taking time for, for being with us today. Well, I appreciate you having me, Brad, and it was, it was an honor and, and a lot of fun. I enjoyed it very much. Thank yeah. you. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll do it again. Well, guys, thank you for your valuable time for joining us for this podcast from Brad Huddleston Ministries. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.